Grace and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Tale as old as time, true as it can be, barely even friends, then somebody bends unexpectedly. Anybody know what movie that's from? I see a lot of you smiling. Beauty and the Beast, right? It's just Disney movie here at Divine, or Disney Day here at Divine Savior, I guess. Uh, but it, the Beauty and the Beast, right? And what's the tale as old as time? A love story. A love story. It is the tale as old as time. Think of how many authors have written books about love. Think how many TV shows and movies have been made about love. Even uh, movies and TV shows that uh, aren't necessarily romantically driven have some kind of romantic left turn in there. They always seem to bring in a love story somehow. Why? Because everybody loves a love story. Guys, even you do. I know it. Deep down, we all love love stories, right? But how would you answer this question? What is love? How have you answered the question, what is love? What is true love? Today we're going to look at that as we look at Ruth chapter 3 as the the love story of Ruth and Boaz uh, happens right in chapter 3. In 18 short verses, uh, a love story takes place and that's what we're looking at today. For those of you who haven't been here the last couple weeks or those who are with us for the first time today, let me recap the book of Ruth for you. Ruth chapter 1. What happens? Uh, A man named Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons, they go from Bethlehem, which is just outside of Jerusalem, in Israel, and they move to Moab, the country just east of them, uh, because there was a famine. And they were there for a 10-year period. In that 10 years, Elimelech dies. Naomi's husband dies. Her two sons, Kilian and Malon, get married to two women from Moab, uh, one named Orpah and the other named Ruth, which the whole book is about. Uh, And during those ten years, after Elimelech dies, Malon and Kilian also die. Naomi leaves uh, Jerusalem area with a husband and two sons. She comes back with no husband and no sons. Before she leaves Moab, she tells Orpah and Ruth, stay here with your family, stay here with your friends, get remarried, enjoy life. Orpah says, sounds good, I'm staying. Ruth says, no, I'm not leaving you. She clung to Ruth and said, I'm going with you. And so she goes to Bethlehem with Naomi. When Naomi gets there, uh, everyone rejoices, and, and Naomi says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara because I'm bitter. The the Lord is against me. His hand is against me. He has afflicted me. And she becomes a very bitter person, thinking God's against her. You turn the page, chapter 2. Naomi, still hanging out at home. Ruth says, you know what? We need food. Uh, I'm going to go out to the fields, and in the fields I'm going to glean, which was the the harvesters, the farmers, would harvest their, their crops, and then whatever was left over in the field, uh, was for widows, poor people, or foreigners that they could go pick up the leftover crops and take them as their own. And so this is what Ruth does. Whose field does she end up in? Boaz. Boaz was a Limelech's relative, Naomi's dead husband's relative. And this is going to come into play uh, in chapter 3. 
But in chapter 2, Boaz is, is kind to Ruth, showing her all kinds of love, giving her multiple food, making sure uh, his men don't attack her, and he takes care of her. At the end of chapter 2, Naomi says to Ruth, stay in Boaz's field so you don't get harmed. You will be safe there. Okay. Ruth chapter 3. Here we go. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find, you, uh, find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. The harvest was over. Uh, Boaz's main work was done. He still had a little bit of work to do with the crops. Uh, and that would be winnowing the barley on the threshing floor. Anyone have any idea what that means? Sherry does. <laughs> so what would happen is, is they, would, they would get all their crops and they would put it on the threshing floor, which was just a, a big area on the floor. And then they'd take a winnowing fork, kind of like a pitchfork. And what they would do is they scoop up the barley and throw it up into the wind. And what would happen is that wind would then uh, blow off all the chaff, all that leafy, scaly, dead leaf type stuff. Uh, that would fly off in the wind, but the barley was so heavy that it would just fall to the ground. And so they would keep doing this over and over again until all the chaff was gone and the barley was just left. And then they'd bag the barley and sell it. Naomi knew that Boaz would be down on the threshing floor getting his barley ready. And she also knew that he would be sleeping there that night. Why? A 10-year famine just got done in Jerusalem. There was going to be a lot of hungry people. And in a time period that could be characterized as Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit, guess what there would be a lot of? Stealing. And so Boaz said, I'm sleeping by my barley tonight so nobody steals it. Naomi knew this. And now Naomi starts playing matchmaker. I wonder if during the whole harvest time, uh, if, <laughs> pun intended, I'll say it already, uh, I wonder if she was planting the seed into Ruth's mind about Boaz. Boaz is such a nice man, isn't he? Oh, Boaz, he sure is a handsome guy. Boy, Boaz is faith. That guy's a godly man. He's got some faith, huh? And I wonder if she planted the seed in, in Ruth's mind over and over again. And now that the harvest is done and Boaz is going to have more time on his hands, Naomi goes full-on matchmaker, hoping to find true love for Ruth. Parents, there's something we can learn from this, can't, isn't there? Uh, I know you're laughing, but I'm being serious. Is there a bigger decision that your child can make than who they marry? Is there a bigger decision that can either cause them true love and they can experience true love, or is there a bigger decision in their life that could cause more damage than who they marry? 
more damage physically and more damage, most importantly, spiritually than who they marry. Now, I'm not suggesting you have arranged marriages. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting is that you have open and honest conversations with your children about these things. Talk about marriage. Ask them, how is this person going to encourage you in your faith in Jesus? Ask them, how is this person going to raise your kids in Jesus and encourage you in that? That's a question. Those are questions that need to be answered. And children and young people, front row, listen to your parents. Listen to the older generation. They know what they're talking about. They know what they're talking about. Learn from their mistakes. Listen as they give you advice. Don't be all mom and dad, here we go again. No, listen. Listen. And you might avoid some heartache and some spiritual and physical damage later on. This is a big decision. And your parents and your grandparents and the older generation know what they're talking about. Listen. Listen. And consider this. Ruth has already done the marriage thing before. She'd been married. And yet look at what she says to Naomi. I'll do whatever you say. She listened to Naomi's advice. This is important. Ruth listened. Now, Naomi's advice. We're going to talk about the feet thing in a minute. Uh, <laughs> that seems a little bit weird. But notice what, notice what Naomi says. She says, Ruth, wash yourself, put on perfume, and put on your best dress clothes. Think about where Boaz has seen Ruth up to this point. He's seen her out in the field, probably wearing her old raggedy clothes because she doesn't want to get them dirty. She's sweaty. She's dirty. But Naomi is saying, hey, get washed up, get attractive, and go see him. Now, there's something to be said about being attractive, but there's something not so much to be said about being seductive, right? True love is not seduction. That's lust. That's lust. It's okay to be attractive, not so okay to be seductive. Uh, Women, you know the difference. Guys know the difference too. And Naomi is saying, get attractive, not seductive. In fact, the Hebrew word she used for get dressed is shimla. It means wrap yourself. And so what does she do? She wears the classic Mideastern woman dress, head to toe. She's got a shawl across her face, so that the only thing you can see are her eyes and her hands. No seduction, but attractive. And she goes to visit Boaz on the threshing floor. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Boaz got done with the harvest. He got done winnowing his barley, and and he eats dinner. He has an adult beverage or two, and then he goes and tucks himself in for bed. In comes Ruth quietly uh, and, and lays down at his feet and uncovers his feet. 
Why would she do that? Uh, to be honest, we don't really know. <laughs> uh, commentators don't really know. Uh, this seems weird and awkward, and yet they knew what this meant in, in the culture that they lived. Uh, maybe it was the fact that you got two different types of people in life, right? You've got those who like their feet covered when you sleep and those who like their feet outside the blankets while they sleep. Maybe Boaz was one who liked his feet covered at night. How Ruth knew that, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, we don't actually know this, but she uncovers his feet and lies down. And something startles him. And he says, who are you? Now, I get startled very easily in my sleep. Uh, I'm a light sleeper. If I sleep through something, I'm really tired. Uh, a lot of times, I'm, well, every night I'm expecting Anne to be sleeping by me, but sometimes she gets up, goes to the bathroom, comes back, and when she's getting to bed, I jump sky high and, and who are you? And she says, me. <laughs> Boaz isn't expecting anyone to be next to him. Imagine how much adrenaline's pumping through him as he startles, who are you? I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. This right there, what she just said, was marry me. She proposed right there. You can write this verse down, Ezekiel 16, verse 8. Uh, and, and you can look it up later. In Ezekiel 16, verse 8, God talks about uh, taking Israel as his wife. And he says, When you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you, and I made you mine. This was the culture. This was uh, the lingo, so to speak, for will you marry me. Why? What was she suggesting here? Jewish men, during the day, wore an outer coat. It was from head to toe. It covered up their clothes. Uh, and that's what they wore during the day. At night, they used that same garment, that same coat, to cover themselves while they slept. And so uh, Ruth is basically saying, take your covers and put them over me. Which was, was a euphemism for, bring me into your family this way. Let me share a bed with you. That's what she's asking Boaz. And notice what she appeals to. You are our guardian redeemer of our family. We talked about the guardian redeemer last week. You may have heard it as the kinsman redeemer, a, a close relative. Uh, the, the guardian redeemer was somebody who would basically save a widow. Uh, women in this culture didn't work. They couldn't work. Uh, Elimelech had land. He left the land for Ruth and Naomi, but because they're women, they can't work it. And so what was going to have to happen is they would have to sell that land, sell their property to get money. And eventually that money would run out and, and they would starve. And so what Ruth is asking is be our guardian redeemer. Number one, the guardian redeemer had to be uh, relative by blood. Number two, he had to be able to afford the property price and, and the land price. And number three, he had to be willing to do it. Ruth says, be this person. Save us. Provide for us. Here's what Boaz says. <clears throat> the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family... 
There is another who is more closely related than I. Love story has to have drama, right? Uh, Boaz can't just say yes and it happens. There's somebody else who's closer and has the, the first right to buy all this property. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Ruth is in a very vulnerable position, isn't she? She's in the middle of the night, lying with this man who, to be honest, she barely knows, and she just asked him to marry her. One, he could say no, which on the grand scheme of things would be embarrassing, but she could go home and it'd be okay. Number two, Boaz was a godly man. She knows this. During this time, during the harvest time in Israel, what was big? Prostitution. Everyone's hungry. And so women would go to the farmers and say, hey, I'll sleep with you if you give me some of your crops. And so Boaz, being a godly man, could oust her. He could just say, I don't want any part of this. I don't want people to think that I've got a prostitute here. Here, bring her out into the middle of the village. Ruth came to the threshing floor with me. He could do that. Number three, she's in a dark area, in a dark room, with a man she barely knows, that she just asked to marry her. He could take advantage of her. And yet, look at how Boaz responds. He prays for her. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. And then he says, there's somebody else who's closer, but I'm willing to be that person if he says no. Here is what Boaz just agreed to do. First of all, he agreed to marry Ruth, which on the grand scheme of things, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but consider culture. Israel didn't marry outside of Israel. If you married outside of Israel... You were judged. You had looks at you. Uh, judgmental looks because interracial marriage. And, and so Boaz says, look, I know you're, you're a person of noble character, but you're still a foreigner. And I'm willing to marry you. Number two, he agreed to buy all of their property at a big expense to himself. And number three, he's agreeing to work that land and then give all the crops all of the money, everything earned from Naomi's land, back to Naomi. That's what the guardian redeemer did. He makes no money off of this land. He does all the work, he pays the price for it, and gives all of the proceeds back to the widow. He's giving everything. He'll, he'll eventually get that land once Naomi and Ruth die, but he could die before them. And based on what he says, you haven't gone after younger men, it seems he's older than Ruth. So he'll probably die before he sees this land as his own. This is what he's giving up. This is what he's willing to do. What has Ruth done to deserve this? Nothing. Nothing. And yet Boaz says, I'm going to do it for you because it's what you and Naomi need. Here's your first point this morning. True love is selfless not selfish. <clears throat> True love is selfless, not selfish. True love is not warm, fuzzy feelings. 
It's not the butterflies you get in your stomach over somebody as they text you or call you. That's not true love. True love is selfless love. Putting their wants, their needs above your own. And that's what Boaz does for Ruth and Naomi. He says, you need a provider, you need a protector, otherwise you're going to starve. And I'm willing to do it even at great expense to myself. It's selfless love. And as we look at this selfless love, we need to ask ourselves, do we show this selfless love in our marriages, in our relationships? Sometimes. But if we're honest, not all the time. We know that selfless love, or true love is selfless love, and yet we're unwilling to humble ourselves and admit we were wrong. We know that true love is selfless love, and yet we're unwilling to give up the bitterness. We're we're unwilling to uh, have their opinion be right. Our opinion always needs to be right. We're unwilling to give up our bad habits. We're unwilling to change the way we talk. We're unwilling to give up the porn or alcohol. We're unwilling to change what we need to change so that they feel loved, to do what they need. Our parents, our spouses, they ask us to do something, to clean up something in the house, and we say, yeah, we'll do it. And yet three days later, guess what's still there? The mess. And then everyone gets stubborn and and stands firm and say, I'm not going to do it. And so the dishes stack higher, the laundry piles up, the garbage starts to smell because nobody wants to give in. Nobody wants to be selfless. True love is selfless love. It's giving yourself up for others, even at great expense to yourself. This is what Boaz shows to Ruth. Here's how this section ends. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, No one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. Why? Because he didn't want Ruth to get a bad reputation. He didn't want to get a bad reputation. He, he didn't want people to think that they were sleeping around before they got married. So leave. Before dawn. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Boaz shows this selfless, sacrificial love. He he just had a, a full crops and he's got all his barley and he could be out there that day selling it, making money. He says, all that can wait. I need to figure out this Ruth and Naomi thing because they need it now. Complete selfless. This is true love. True love is what we want, isn't it? We want selfless love. We want to be loved unconditionally, unconditionally selfishly. We want, to be honest, we want all of our needs met and feel loved and have the security and peace that comes with it. And here's your last point today. 
True selfless love is what we want, and true selfless love is what we get. As you observe Boaz, does he remind you of anyone? Do you start to think, man, this guy is really familiar. The more I learn about him, the more he sounds like another guy. Maybe Jesus? The whole Bible is a book about Jesus. Jesus is God. He's eternal. He was in the Old Testament. He's in the New Testament. Uh, and, and so, everywhere we look in the Bible, we look to see if we can see Jesus. And, and Boaz, we see characteristics of Jesus, right? Of true selfless love. Consider, Ruth comes to Boaz and lays at his feet, needing to be taken into his family. We come and we lay at Jesus' feet, needing to be taken into his family. Ruth comes to lay at Jesus' feet in the need of mercy. We come and lay at Jesus or at Boaz's feet needing mercy. We come and lay at Jesus' feet needing mercy. When Boaz extends his garment over her, what does she get? Comfort, security, and peace. When when Jesus puts his garment over us and brings us into his family through baptism, what do we get? Comfort, security, and peace. Ruth comes to Boaz as a poor foreigner, not welcomed in Israel. But through Boaz, she becomes rich and she becomes a citizen of Israel. We come to Jesus poor spiritually, nothing to offer, not a citizen of heaven. And what does Jesus offer us? He he gives us spiritual wealth. He makes us spiritually rich and He says, you are now a citizen of my kingdom in heaven. Boaz paid a, a huge price for Ruth and Naomi. And yet Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. Consider what Jesus gave up. Consider what He sacrificed. He sacrificed heaven. He sacrificed immortality. He sacrificed His power. He sacrificed all the wealth in the world. When Jesus was on earth, He only had the clothes on His back. At one point He said, look, foxes have their dens and birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay down His head. Jesus owned nothing. He became extremely poor for you and me. And then, He paid the ultimate price for us. He didn't pay gold or silver, but He paid His holy and precious blood. And when He shed that blood, you received forgiveness of sins, the eternal wealth of heaven, all because Jesus gave up the ultimate price of Himself. This is the greatest love story ever told. You talk about tale as old as time, love stories. All love stories are built off of this love story, the love story you are living between you and Jesus. Consider when this story actually started. Garden of Eden, right? God creates man and woman to have a relationship with Him where they selflessly love God, God selflessly loves them. What does man and woman do? They screw up and they sin. And they sell themselves into slavery with the devil. And the devil kidnaps them. The devil kidnaps them and takes them. And God says, no, 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 no. I love you too much. I'm going to send Jesus, my son, to save you. I'm sending a hero to come and save you. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He saved you. He saved you by His holy, precious blood. This is the greatest love story. Selfless love. This is true love. It's what you experience every single day of your life as God provides for you every single need. 
but especially your need for a Savior, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. May God be with you this week as you enjoy the peace, the comfort and security of knowing that your sins are forgiven, that the riches of heaven are yours, and that your Savior is with you every moment of every day. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your unconditional and selfless love that left your throne in heaven to come and save us from our sins and give us the comfort, peace, and security that we need. Thank you for taking us into your family through the waters of baptism where our sins have been forgiven, washed away, and you put on us your robe of righteousness. We thank you for your perfection that you give to us. We thank you for making us holy and blameless in your sight. Be with us always. Help us to always know and trust that your love is eternal. Amen.